I'm your health coach, Melissa Lee. Here at Thriving with Nourishment Health, I provide women with the resources to reclaim fertility and celebrate periods through the lens of functional medicine. It is time to empower ourselves with natural solutions over band-aid medicines. We will get to the root cause of symptoms to see the bigger picture. Let us find the ability to heal ourselves, get back to Mother Nature, and live in a healthier world. Hey everyone, at the start of the recording of this episode, and actually throughout the whole of it, there will be some loud noises because the apartment next to me started having a lot of demolition and construction happening. I totally did not see this coming and there was no warning given to me, so I sincerely apologize for the background noise and I hope you will enjoy the episode regardless. Hi everyone, say hi to Natalie Dode, a fertility awareness educator and menstrual cycle coach. She's the founder of the Fertility Awareness Project and teaches women how to chart their cycles for birth control and harnessing the gift of body literacy. So Natalie is the second person on the show to talk about fertility awareness. Um, I'm really excited because I want to explain or I, I should say give the audience a little bit more, you know, knowledge about cycle charting. So I'm really excited to have you on the show. Welcome, Nathalie. Thanks for, for having me, Melissa. It's great to be here and to get to chat with you today. Yeah, I'm really excited. Um, I actually found you, you know, on Instagram because I felt like whatever you explained was really easy to understand. So um, before, you know, we get started into the whole like shebang of that. Um, what is your own story, you know, around PCOS and how did you learn about charting? So I started charting my cycles over five years ago when I was looking for a non-hormonal method of birth control. So I felt uh, that I really, it just didn't feel aligned for me to go on hormonal birth control. I had this stack of books beside my bed uh, and I was reading through all of them trying to find out uh, a really great option to avoid pregnancy and to also not take synthetic hormones. So I was doing all this research and I was feeling really anxious and stressed about making a good decision could be because we have this narrative that we need to be on hormonal birth control to be responsible. And I really mm -hmm. just didn't jive with that. So I came across, I actually came across the diaphragm and I kind of settled on the diaphragm, I went to my doctor and I was sharing with her about how I'd made this decision. And she was kind of like, you know, diaphragms are really hard to find in Canada. And have you thought of the fertility awareness method? And I was like, oh, you know, I've read a little bit about it, but it still doesn't feel quite right. Or maybe it doesn't feel like it could work or be effective. So she referred me out to a FAM instructor where I live. And I went to a class and I remember just being absolutely blown away just like completely shocked that I didn't know this very basic information about my, uh, about my body, like the fact that I ovulated and that I could track ovulation and I could know when ovulation happens and that I could have a real solution for birth control. That didn't mean I was taking hormones. So I started charting my cycle and I just became obsessed with everything fertility awareness. Mm -hmm. And five years ago, there wasn't a whole lot. There was Lisa's podcast for oh, yeah. Friday, and I know you, you interviewed Lisa so she was kind of the first person that I was exposed to online who was talking about fam and I just got really excited so 
I started charting my cycles and the first cycle that I charted was about 175 days long. So I started out with this really confusing pattern and really long cycles. And I started going to see some practitioners to help me see what was going on with my hormones. And so I was able to get the next cycle down to 30 ish days. And then the third Mm. cycle I charted was really long again. And so it's kind of like, what's going on? Like, it was almost like putting attention on my cycles had made them longer. I hadn't really noticed long cycles until I started charting. So it really started on an interesting note for me. I've been working with PCOS since then. I've been working to balance my hormones and working with long irregular cycles. And so it's kind of been a roller coaster since then. Sometimes my cycles are doing really well. And um, when, yeah, there's sometimes they're doing well and sometimes they're not. And I, I still am navigating that journey, but it's really helped me have an appreciation for the ways that my life impacts my hormones and my cycles. I find that I'm, I'm really sensitive to anything that's happening in my life and that it will show up in my cycles right away. So I'm really grateful for that. And it's also a challenge at times as well. So that is my background with fam. And once I started charting for a few years, I felt really strongly that I wanted to share this with more people. I just feel that this very basic information about our bodies is something that so many people have never heard of. And I really do believe that it should be more accessible for people who want to learn about their cycles and want alternatives to hormonal birth control. Mm-hmm. That's an inspiring story. I, I mean, first of all, 150 days cycle is really long. That's almost like what, six months. Um, and, you know, I've started my own charting and I have PCOS too. And I really can't see like oh, you know, sometimes I see like the struggle to ovulate, but it didn't happen. And then it kind of drops back down. Um, But I really do think that there's a lot of like body literacy, as you said, like knowing that your body's affected by the environment. um, And then also looking at your charts, like looking at data to, you know, like to know about your own cycle. Um, so, you know, when, you know, someone's listening to this and they're like, okay, kind of curious, um, what are the biggest misconceptions around fertility awareness? I think the first misconception is that fertility awareness is this really woo thing that is like hippie, natural thing that doesn't work. And in reality, fertility awareness is so based in science and reproductive physiology. It's, it's really grounded in the very simple, straightforward processes of our body. And so I think that a lot of people are thrown off by it because it seems kind of too good to be true, but we're really not manipulating anything or changing anything when we're using fertility awareness. It's really just about observing our fertility and knowing when we're pregnant and when we're not. So then if we really don't want to get pregnant, we're going to, we, and we know when in the cycle we can get pregnant, we are able to make decisions based on that information. So it's really, yeah, it's really straightforward and, and common sense. And based on the understanding of when we actually ovulate and ovulation is this key piece of our cycle, this 
anchor point of our cycle that dictates the length of our cycle. It's a very brief time when we can conceive. And so we often are subject to taking uh, medication every day to avoid pregnancy when in reality, we can only get pregnant for a brief moment in the cycle, about five mm-hmm. to seven days of the cycle. Um, trying to think of another good one. Uh, a lot of people think that fertility awareness is the same as the rhythm method. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you've heard of this myth, Melissa, but the rhythm <laughs> method is the idea that we ovulate on day 14 and have 28 day cycles. Uh, raise your hand if you've had a 28 day cycle. <laughs> that is not so a lot of us true. do. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the rhythm method is effective if you have that textbook cycle, if you ovulate on day 14 and have a 28 day cycle. But the fertility awareness method is less of a, of, of a guess of when you ovulate and more of an assessment each day of your fertility level. Mm-hmm. So I feel like those are the two biggest ones. Another one is a lot of people hear about fertility awareness and think of natural family planning. So natural family planning is kind of the origins of fertility awareness. So Catholic organizations have put a lot of money and research into developing really effective methods of fertility awareness based on their religious ideals. So we can thank, uh, we can thank the Catholic organizations and churches and researchers for doing all of the legwork. And now people are looking for a secular approach to fertility awareness. So natural family planning is one type of a fertility awareness based method, but there are lots of other types and not all of them require abstinence in the fertile window. So it depends who you learn from and what their background is and what their values are but not all fertility awareness methods are rooted in Catholic perspectives. Right. Yeah. So yeah, just to be clear, like fertility awareness, it started from natural family planning, but it's not as if you have to be religious to use it. Um, I also like the part about you mentioning about ovulation and how you're like, you know, it's like data, you're assessing it rather than predicting. I think one of the main one of the easiest things to get into is like when I first started charting I would try to predict when I ovulated the next month it's it's you know what I mean it's like sort of subconscious too I'm like oh maybe I'll ovulate around this month I mean this day like 20 or 21st um but then I realized like okay the whole point of charting is to really see where you're at and then access it so that kind of I don't know it's it's kind of like mind training for me like kind of making me, you know, like think about like, okay, I'm not predicting, I'm not predicting, but I'm trying to just see where I'm at right now. I think it's really easy to fall into that trap of, (laughs) yeah, thinking that you're ovulating when you are without waiting a couple days to actually see, because we can only really know ovulation retrospectively. And so I feel like a lot of people fall into this trap of either you ovulated on day 18 last cycle. And so that must mean you're ovulating on day 18 this cycle, but anything can delay ovulation. And for folks who have longer cycles, you will know this to be true, that your body might attempt to ovulate a few times. Mm -hmm. And so you can only really know after the fact, when we use basal body temperature and cervical mucus to confirm that it's already happened. So with fertility awareness is less of a, a precise 
it's like a less of a precise knowing the moment of ovulation. We can't really know the moment of ovulation mm-hmm. unless we have an ultrasound. But what we can do is we can narrow in on this window of time. And when you're in the middle of confirming ovulation, like when you've had um, your peak fertil- like peak type mucus and you've had a couple of high temperatures, this is all stuff that we talk about with fertility awareness. You're kind of in the middle of it. You're like, maybe I ovulated. It's really tempting to want to find out the answer right away, but we can only know after it's happened. So I always tell my clients when they message me, they're like, I think I'm confirming ovulation. I'm like, could you send me an email in two days and we'll know for sure, because it's, it's really hard to know when you're in it. Right. Yeah. And I think also using the apps tend to, you know, kind of skew you in that way because they there's like predictive parameters around that and I mean I know I turned it off but you know there is still like oh period in like 18 days so it's still kind of messes with me and like so since I I started actually paper charting which is so much better and I just rely on myself and my knowledge Um, so you know what are the different methods being used around fertility awareness and which ones are like beginner friendly Oh, that's a great question. There are so many different types of fertility <laughs> awareness. That's there are question. so many instructors and so many methods. So for example, you could have a fertility awareness-based method that is cervical mucus only. So that's a method like Billings or Creighton. So you're only using cervical mucus to determine when you're ovulating. And there's a very specific way and really recommend working with an instructor if you're using cervical mucus only methods, but they're quite effective. And then we have methods like symptothermal fertility awareness-based methods. So symptothermal is where we use basal body temperature and cervical mucus to know when ovulation's approaching with mucus. And then we can see this pattern after ovulation of it drying up, which is called peak. And then we use basal body temperature to tell us that progesterone is rising and our body's kind of warming up after ovulation's taken place. So we can measure that with a basal body thermometer. Mm. And then we also have methods that incorporate other hormone testing like Marquette, which uses an estrogen monitor. We have methods that incorporate LH testing like FEM. There are a whole bunch of different kinds of fertility awareness-based methods. When you're looking for when you're looking to learn fertility awareness, you can either learn by yourself. So you can teach yourself. And I would say the best way, if you want to teach yourself is to find a simple thermal method. Uh, and there are a couple manuals that you can use, like taking charge of your fertility to actually teach yourself and walk through it. If you're wanting to, if you're really serious about avoiding pregnancy, then you can take the route of working with an instructor. And an instructor will teach any variety of the methods that I mentioned. And I think what's most important, and you know, my opinion on this might change, but I really think having a good relationship and a good fit with your instructor is almost as important as the method that you choose. So you want to find somebody who aligns with your values, uh, somebody who, you know, you like their personality, someone who teaches in a style that you can learn from. Some instructors Mm -hmm. use a lot of one-on-one sessions and walk you through it. And others are more self-paced with one-on-one sessions as well. So finding, yeah. And there's instructors all over the world. Most of them teach online now. And so finding somebody who aligns with you and then 
learning about what method they're teaching. So asking them if they're certified in a fertility awareness based method, that's super important. Uh, and if they have personal experience with the method themselves, how long have they been charting? How long have they been using the methods that they're teaching? Those are all important questions to ask. Okay, those are good. Um, and then what about like, if someone is, you know, just reading like taking charge of your fertility or the fifth vital sign or anything like that, um, and they use like an app. So do you think digital apps are accurate enough? A lot of people have questions about apps and you mentioned that before, Melissa, that you were charting with an app and now you've switched to paper. Right. And I feel yeah. like you described that really well, the importance <laughs> okay. of, and the, the, um, the issue with the period predictive features in a lot of apps. So we have a few different types of apps. There are period tracking apps, which you input your period and you can track your symptoms. It might let you track your mood. It may let you track mucus, not all do. So that's an app like Clue, uh, P-Tracker, um, flow, I believe. Um, so those will all let you kind of track cycle days and track when you're having your period. Some of those types of apps will have a prediction. So the way those predictions work is it's basically guessing that if Melissa, you have a range of 30 to 40 day long cycles, they're going to say that, you know, you're going to get your period on day 35 or somewhere between that range just kind of averaging it out and predicting. Mm. So they're going to give you that estimate. And then you have paper charts on your phone. So that's an app like read your body or Kindara uh, or fertility friend. Those apps allow you to track basal body temperature in a graph. And they'll also allow you to track cervical mucus along with symptoms. Some paper charts on your phone, some apps will allow you to turn off predictions and some won't have predictions at all. And I'm a huge proponent of turning off those predictions if you're learning, because like you said, you, you see that prediction pop up and you start questioning yourself. You're like, did I do it right? Like this app is telling me something. It must yeah. know. Even must if know you don't want that to I don't. predict. Yeah, exactly. Even if, you, like... even if you're having it just there, this it's just something about seeing it on there that can really throw you off. And so if you're learning fertility awareness, I highly recommend the app Read Your Body, which is a crowdfunded app by the fertility awareness community. And they allow you to custom mark all of your cervical mucus categories. Everything is really fan friendly. Um, and so, so looking for an app if you're using FAM that allows you to mark cervical mucus and basal body temperature, and that allows you to manually mark your charts. So with fertility awareness, we wanna be able to mark our peak date. We wanna be able to mark cover line, and we wanna be able to mark our temperature shift at the very least. And if the app is automatically doing that for you, don't use it because <laughs> often it will, it will mark it wrong or you'll doubt yourself just like the prediction. So when I'm teaching fam, um, I, I get my clients to use the, the app, read your body. And I use Kindara for a long time, uh, mm -hmm. but it's not my favorite app anymore. Now that read your body's come up. Okay. Yeah. I heard that, um, even Lisa was talking about read your body. So I guess it's a new app, um, that's coming out. That's, um, you know, really helps people to know how to cycle chart. Um, that's really interesting. So, you know, for women with PCOS, I know there are different charts and patterns that come up. It's not just like a standard, 
like a you know thermal shift kind of pattern. Um, so what are the different ones that you've seen for women so we with do, PCOS? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so with PCOS, we do see a standard thermal shift. So there okay. are regular, it will fall under the, once you do actually ovulate, mm-hmm. you will see our, <laughs> there's probably exceptions to this, but most times if you're charting properly and you're using a proper thermometer and you're actually charting along with a method, you should be able to pull out patterns if you're ovulating with PCOS. Mm -hmm. So some of the patterns that we see with PCOS are irregular cycles. And so this can manifest in a lot of ways. If you have PCOS, you might be familiar with really long cycles. So cycles that are 90, 100 days long, mm-hmm. or you may have cycles where you actually don't ovulate at all. So that's an anovulatory cycle. So with fertility awareness and PCOS, it has been the most empowering thing to know when I ovulate, because if you're in a really long cycle and you're avoiding pregnancy, you're going to start having this thought of, am I pregnant? Is that why my cycle right. is so long? Mm-hmm. But when you're tracking ovulation, you'll know that the reason your cycle is so long is because ovulation is delayed. You haven't actually ovulated yet. So what we see in a PCOS chart sometimes is patches of mucus or, or temperatures that are a little bit funky and all over the place before you ovulate. So you may have this rise in estrogen, a follicle is beginning to develop, but it doesn't quite get there. So you have this patch of mucus, you might start to see a fertile pattern, but it's not followed up by a proper peak or a temperature shift that's sustained. So you may have ups and downs every day. You may have these jumps in temperature, but nothing that actually stays high, indicating that ovulation has taken place. Mm-hmm. The amazing thing about the cycle is that once you ovulate, one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to get pregnant or you're going to menstruate 11 to 18 ish days later. So in a really long cycle, eventually you will either ovulate or you'll have a withdrawal bleed. When you ovulate, you will get your period. So you'll know in a long cycle where you're at in terms of ovulation. And this can be super empowering, especially if you're feeling like you have no idea what's going on in your chart or in your cycle. It's also incredible data to have if you are seeking um, treatment for PCOS, Mm -hmm. you can start to see the impacts. And I've seen this for myself, um, incorporating changing my diet and incorporating more animal products, for example. I've seen... I've seen, um, shorter, shorter cycles since I started doing that a year ago and reducing stress and implementing lifestyle changes will show up in the chart. So that's an ovulation. So cycles where you don't ovulate and delayed ovulation are two things that I see with PCOS. Um, there are probably other patterns as well, but that's kind of what I see most frequently. And it can be so, so empowering to actually know like what the heck is going on with your cycles and have this kind of like inside look at ovulation when you chart with PCOS. Yeah, I agree. I definitely feel you when you are explaining about the whole long cycles and not know if you're ovulating or not. Um, Yeah, sometimes even for me, you know, I do get the patches of cervical mucus and that actually brings me to my next question. So for women who have irregular cervical mucus, you know, patterns uh, could be happening there. 
So with cervical mucus, there are basically cervical mucus is a hydrogel that's secreted by the cervix and cervical mucus responds to our hormone levels and our, or actually, I should say our cervix responds to hormone levels. So you may notice that around ovulation, you feel more wet or you feel more slippery or you just have more mucus. And the reason that is, is because cervical mucus keeps sperm alive and without it, sperm would die right away. And so we need cervical mucus in order for conception to occur. And so biologically around ovulation, that's why we see an increase in uh, mucus or we feel more slippery, lubricative, wet, uh, all of that stuff. So we see with cervical mucus, once that follicle is growing and developing, estrogen is increasing and we're seeing more mucus and we're seeing that response to estrogen in the cervical mucus. With PCOS, sometimes what happens is, especially if you have a long cycle, you may have a follicle that's developing, but it doesn't quite reach threshold levels or LH doesn't trigger ovulation for whatever reason. And there's so many causes to that. Um, but what we see is a patch of mucus. So we see a developing pattern. We see this change to something more fertile, but ovulation does not happen. And then we go back to maybe something that's drier for a little while. And then another follicle may develop. And then we mm -hmm. see another patch of mucus. And so it's just a response and that can happen for someone with PCOS, it can happen for someone who doesn't have PCOS. Right. So it can happen if you're in a stressful season of life. If you, um, for example, last cycle, I was sick for about five days around day 10 to 15. And so I was seeing this patch of mucus and then for a few days, it went to like quite a bit drier. I didn't have a temperature shift. I didn't confirm ovulation. And then I eventually ovulated on about day 30. So that can happen in stressful seasons of life and when you're traveling, when you're not getting a lot of sleep, or if you have PCOS and you're having those long irregular cycles. Another thing that we really commonly see with cervical mucus is for folks who've been on hormonal birth control, that connection between their brain and their ovaries has been disconnected for however long. And so their cervix is actually not responding to estrogen in the way that it should be. And so people come off hormonal birth control and their cervical mucus pattern is not showing super fertile mucus. They're not seeing lots of peak type mucus where they're seeing a lot of day after day, the same type of thing without much development. And with time that begins to improve. So I often hear from people saying, you know, 12 months after I came off the pill, I finally saw some egg white uh, quality mucus. And so it just takes time for the cervix to begin to respond to that again. So delayed ovulation and hormonal birth control are two scenarios where I see patterns of mucus that, um, are disturbed from what you might normally see. But I think it's also really important to mention that cervical mucus is all about finding your own pattern. So you may find it helpful to look at photos of mucus and I have a really helpful blog post with the types of mucus and photos. On the flip side of that, it can feel like, oh, I'm not fitting that pattern. I don't see the type of mucus that is shown in the pictures. Is there something wrong with me? 
And the answer is no, there's nothing wrong with you. You may not actually see egg white, stretchy, clear, abundant mucus. You may not see that right away, or you may not ever see that. You may only have a sensation of slipperiness when you experience um, peak mucus, or maybe just a little bit of clear mucus. So it's not about achieving this like perfect um, textbook pattern of mucus. It's about finding your unique pattern and your unique development across the cycle that's showing up in your mucus. Very, very good. Um, I definitely like the way you explain that and also it takes the pressure off like someone if they don't have like a specific texture of mucus. Um, yeah, it actually reminded me of me working with a client and she always had this like sticky, creamy mucus, but she also has PCOS and her periods weren't coming for a long time. Um, so yeah, we were just working a lot about like factors that could influence ovulation. And it was only, you know, because of this that we found out, okay, she didn't have a period because she, she had problems ovulating. Um, it's not that, you know, she was pregnant or anything. And we only knew this because, you know, I got her charting and stuff like that. So I do think it's really empowering. Um, you know, so my next question is like, when we are different life stages, how is charting for conception different from birth control? Like, is there a difference, you know, based on our goal? Definitely. So there's so many scenarios that we can use charting. And, and when we learn fertility awareness, it's knowledge that really sticks with us our whole lives. So when we're learning for birth control, I have a lot of clients who I, I specialize with working with people for birth control, okay. but I have clients who've come to me a couple of years after learning from me who want to now chart their cycles to conceive. And it is so cool to see that progression and that kind of full circle moment of using mm -hmm. fertility awareness across the reproductive lifespan. So from adolescence to menopause, we can use the information that we have from our cycle to really help us inform decisions that we make about our health. And really, if there's an issue, help us take action and pinpoint what might be going on. So for people who are trying to conceive, fertility awareness is so key. It is just so important. And it is especially because we don't all ovulate on day 14. And once the egg is released, it lives for about 12 to 24 hours. It's such a brief time in the cycle. And so if we don't know when we are ovulating, we could completely miss the window of opportunity in the cycle. So tracking cervical mucus is key if you are trying to conceive and using FAM if you're trying to conceive can really increase um, your chances of conceiving quickly. And if not, you will have this really important piece of information that you can take to your practitioner and take action on anything that might be going on. And same thing as you approach or are in perimenopause and approach mm -hmm. menopause, you can have this really valuable information about your health and what your hormones are telling you through your chart. So a fertility awareness educator will be able to guide you through all of those seasons of life. And it's information that you will, it's like riding a bike. It's information, it's like a skill you have with you forever. And that will really empower your decisions and help you feel much more in control of your health rather than 
having your reproductive health control you, you just are so much more in the driver's seat and are able to just like have this awareness and understanding of your cycles. I love that. When you were talking about that, I just imagine like how great would it be to have like a woman's health class in schools? That would be so nice um, starting from adolescent. Um, Oh, it would just be amazing. I would be like, I would love to see more of more young people understanding and just like thinking about when we were teenagers, I don't know about you, but talking about cervical mucus and discharge, it was just this thing that was really gross that we didn't really understand that seemed like maybe something was wrong. And then you start learning that your body is like doing this natural, beautiful thing. There's nothing wrong. And that it's actually telling us something about our bodies. Mm-hmm. I think that's just really empowering. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, if a woman has fear of going off birth control, because, you know, you work with women who use the use cycle charting for birth control. Um, so what if someone wants to go off that and but she needs to feel reassured about fertility awareness? You know, there's some fear going on. Um, what would you say to her? Yeah, I, I think fear is really normal. And I think understanding where that fear is coming from can be helpful, that we're often told that we can get pregnant at any time, that if we're not on birth control, we're being risky, mm-hmm. that understanding that's not completely true. Um, when we chart our cycles, we actually are much more in control and actually know when we're fertile rather than feeling in the dark. So it's totally normal to feel nervous about coming off birth control and understanding how fertility awareness works. So really learning about the physiology and understanding how it works and and getting your partner to maybe watch a video with you or read a book with you about how FAM actually works before you come off birth control can be a really helpful thing to do. Mm -hmm. If someone's really nervous, I really recommend working with an instructor because they'll be able to work with you one-on-one and answer any questions or doubts or fears that you have. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is if you're coming off birth control to use a barrier method, like a, a condom when you're coming off that while you can only get pregnant a brief moment in the cycle, you can get pregnant after you come off birth control, your cycles could come back right away. And so until you've charted your cycles and charted ovulation, relying on something like a condom can take the pressure off or, or any other barrier method that you would use during the fertile window can take some of the pressure and fear off as you're coming off. And as you start actually seeing the patterns play out in your chart. So if you're self-teaching, we usually say to chart about three cycles uh, before you start relying on FAM for birth control. And that's just so that you can be confident and having that self-confidence will help you not be as afraid about trusting it. Yeah, for me, when I learned that the fertile window is only like six, seven days a month, that made me feel a lot more reassured. Um, yeah, a question that popped up when you're talking about that is that I guess cycle charting is not for women who are on birth control, right? Like that's correct. Yeah. Because if they are, it's like they're being like their hormones are being suppressed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So tracking before you come off birth control, 
I don't normally recommend it unless you're just getting into the habit of waking up to take your temperatures every day. Mm -hmm. Hormonal birth control works in different ways, but one of the ways that it works is by preventing ovulation and impacting your cervical mucus. So you won't actually be able to pull out any patterns. Um, I really do think like supporting your body for a while before you come off and as you come off working with someone like you, Melissa, or someone who's, who is going to help you support your body coming off can make a really big difference. Like if you're able to like six months before you come off, start nourishing your body and replenishing some of the nutrients that have been lost and healing your gut and doing all of those things can make a really big difference as you come off. Yeah, for sure. Wow, we could set up a partnership right there. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, there's such a huge need for that. There's such a huge need. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, besides you, I mean, who are the people and resources you would recommend for women to start learning about uh, FAM? So if someone's wanting to learn FAM, here are a couple of things. Here are some starting points. So you will need, if you're going to use a symptothermal method of fertility awareness, you will need a thermometer mm-hmm. and it's not a regular fever thermometer. You need a basal body thermometer that goes to two decimal places. And you also need something to chart on. So that's like a paper chart, uh, or in an app, like read your body. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to need a method. So like I said, there's a lot of different methods and all the methods are going to have different ways to different rules, basically, to help you identify ovulation based on what you're observing. So there's just a lot of differences and different methods, and you need to pick a method. So if you're self-teaching, I recommend the book Taking Charge of Your Fertility. There's also a manual for the Sensiplan temperature method, I shouldn't say temperature method, the Sensiplan method, it's a central thermal method. So temperature and cervical mucus, but the temperature rules are a bit different than uh, taking charge of your fertility. So you can find the Sensiplan manual through reply OBGYN. And then once you have picked a method, if you're self-teaching, one of those manuals is great or finding an instructor. And it's just a matter of getting in the habit of charting. And so that for those first three months are really key when you're learning to to really stick to the method and and get into the habit of waking up to take your temperature. Uh, And you want to wake up and take your temperature at the same time every day before you get out of bed. Um, And then getting into the habit of charting your cervical mucus. Mm. Okay. So, so yeah. yeah. Is there any other specific resources that you're wondering about? Mm, Not really. Like maybe like, I guess if they work with an educator, they would get like, you know, a demonstration of how like mucus will work or the charting would work. Um, Yeah. Not anything else. I think more so is like, how can people work with you specifically now? If, you know, they like what you're explaining about. And I think you give a lot of good info. How can they find you? So I think a really great place to start and I kind of walk you through those steps, like how to find a thermometer, how to get started charting, how to find an instructor is a free course that I've created called FAM Fundamentals. And it's really straightforward, concise. You can finish it in about 30 minutes. 
It's a video course and it's free. And so that's a really great way for me to kind of walk through with you how the cycle works, how fertility awareness works and how to choose a thermometer, how to find a manual, all of that stuff, kind of like a roadmap for starting fam. Yeah. And then I teach fertility awareness in a group course called cycle love that runs about three times a year. So the next time I'm running cycle love is fall 2021 and I have a wait list on my website. So it's only open to the folks on the wait list. Um, and then, yeah, I share a lot of information on my Instagram at fertility awareness project about fertility awareness, menstrual cycle awareness, hormone health, and all that good stuff. Um, that's awesome. Like, I think the free course is awesome. Um, do you work with people one-on-one or is it only in the group? So I only take on clients in cycle love and cycle love is three months long. It's a group program. So you have videos to watch each month, but you have access to support from me and a special group. And then you also get a one-on-one session with me. I see. That's awesome. That way you can also, you know, get to a lot more people at the same time. Um, Exactly. Yeah. And it's really great to have that. If somebody is like just learning fertility awareness, having yeah. a community element can be really helpful. So mm-hmm. knowing other people who use fertility awareness, whether that's online or in person, if you're really lucky, um, yeah. but just having that group element and being able to relate to other people who are just learning fam like you can be really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like women usually learn better in tribes anyway, in groups. <laughs> Okay, well, that's very good. Um, I love this episode. I think we covered a lot. I mean, we didn't go through like the fundamentals, but we went through a lot about like all the other things, um, you know, the methods being used and um, the biggest misconceptions around it. So I thank you for your time today. This was a really fun conversation for me. Thanks so much for having me, Melissa.